Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. I'm Frank Crivello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing tonight? Oh, uh, we're doing all right, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, these shows are going to start to get a little bit lighter here over the next several weeks because, uh, you know, Serie A's uh, European campaign is over. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And uh, we got a little bit of a... Some international news to talk about, I guess, huh? Yeah, we do. Well, yeah, I mean, I brought the. Yeah, we got a little more, a little more Azzurri up here. There you uh, go. You know, in, in preparation for it, and and before you say, you know, and and, and also before you say, yeah, what, what do you mean, City as European campaign is over? Roma's still in it. Exactly, City as European <laughs> campaign is over. Okay, we're done. We're done. I don't even know if I want to. They're going to play Ajax. And then if they survive that somehow, what do they got next after that? Did you see? I did not see. I did not see. So, uh, good evening, Tyler. How are we doing tonight? Pull it up. Yeah. Say say hello to the chat um, while I'm pulling this up. Uh, yeah, Tyler Sharma in the house saying ciao, ragazzi. Ciao, yep. ciao. Hope all is well. Yeah. Uh, they will play the winner of. Did I see this right? Um, yeah, they have. If so, should they survive Ajax, they've got to play the winner of uh, Man United and Granada. Okay. Uh, you know, Man United uh, really got by Milan on a stupid goal, um, and uh, Granada is a tough out. So, as uh, Napoli knows about, right? Yep, as Napoli very well knows about. So it's like, uh, yeah, I, 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 I can't endure. I, yeah, I got no interest in talking about Europe anymore on this podcast. <laughs> You know, I, I figured that probably is the best motivation for Roma to try to win the Europa League at this point. So yeah. the, 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 the less said about their uh, Europa League prospects, maybe the better chances for them. It could, it could uh, serve them better than the, the Derby did this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, the Derby Della Sud will talk about uh, that. We will talk about the rest of Match Week 28, give you our goals of the week. Uh, break down uh, Roberto Mancini's latest Azzurri collection and then finish up with a very light Who Won Calcio Twitter. Mm. Calcio Twitter just wasn't funny this week. International break coming up, you know, people getting ready, I guess, for that. taking a siesta. Our guys out there taking a siesta. It's not too late. If you're listening, you want to just scroll through Twitter, you find something funny, hashtag who won Calcio Twitter. Uh, You know, we'll give it a read. I think I saw a last-second entry in there. Otherwise, it's been been pretty – you know, I'm a little disappointed in Calcio Twitter here in the last week, Richard. They usually come – last week they were were, uh, just – by leaps and bounds, man. There was so many to pick from. They blew their load last week. Maybe that's yeah, what it was. That could be it. <laughs> that could be it. All right. Now uh, my kids can't listen to this podcast. Great job. Uh, they never could. They never could. <laughs> this, this is true. This is true. So, that's just after um, last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, they haven't, they haven't heard that, and, uh, and they won't hear that either. So uh, the less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> all right. So... Um, Let's begin, though, with Cesare Prandelli uh, resigning his post as Fiorentina manager. Fiorentina is recycling Beppe Iacchini, um, and we'll talk about the managerial move here shortly. Um, but I will translate uh, Prandelli's message. Uh, this is the second time I leave Fiorentina, uh, the first at the behest of others, today because of my decision. Uh, at this moment in my life, I find myself in an absurd unease that allows me to be 
who I am. My decision is dictated by the enormous responsibility that I have, first of all, for the players and for the club, but not least for the respect I owe to the Fiorentina fans. I'm aware that my career as a coach may end here, but I have no regrets and I don't want to have any. Um, I mean, gosh, I mean, it's just one of those things that you, you there's so much you can speculate on. But, um, you know, yeah. we get critical of managers and their roles, and, and but they're under immense pressure. Um, and, you know, throughout the season, they're in a tunnel and it's all they know is their club uh, hours and hours of preparation, uh, you know, week in, week out, you know, opponents coming up, train, you know, preparing training, uh, figuring out tactics, figuring out the qualities of your players, figuring out the roles and then just, you know, overseeing everything. Um, you know, we, we forget at the end of the day that these are human beings and, and you hope that this isn't anything too serious. Um, but I do want to, you know, commend Prandelli for coming to this decision because if there is something outside of football that demands his attention, that it's a very mature decision on his part, uh, to walk away from the game, uh, and pay attention to that. Uh, I, you know, Nima, I, I saw his tweets about this and that's what I responded to him. I said, you know, Richard, sometimes I said, Sometimes the, the the most mature decisions are the hardest ones to make. Yeah, it is it is true, and uh, it is a difficult life being the life of a manager. Um, we can attribute to probably you know we can relate to it in terms of you know the NFL coaches, right? We know what kind of immense hours they got to put in into in, in prep for games, and uh, that's only once a week. And so you you extrapolate that with the city A manager or any kind of football manager, where it's you know it's up up to three games a week. Sometimes um, it's it's a very difficult process. Sometimes it can be very lonely as well. And so we don't I mean, we're, we're not exactly sure what's going on with Prandelli, yeah. but you know. Uh, it, like like you said, sometimes uh, the bravest thing to do is to step away when you know you don't really you can't or you don't want to. Uh, it, it's hard, and you know sometimes to say enough's enough is the hardest thing to say. Yeah. Um. So you got to commend him for that. I mean, obviously, many people, especially uh, the Violi, La Violi, they had uh, aspirations that he would you know bring back some glory to them, hopefully, and, and get yep. them back on the winning ways. And it's been hard. It's been hard for them, uh, in general. So yeah, I mean. It, it didn't turn out the way they want that he wanted or the club wanted, but um, ultimately, I think you know that it's a smart decision for him. You got to look out for your your well being first, and you know, like I said, we don't know too much of what's going on, but you know, from what he what he said and what we can uh, take from that is that you know maybe it's time for him to just you know step away from the game and maybe for good, like he said, or maybe not. But uh, he needs some time to dedicate to himself, I guess, and his family. So yeah, uh, best of luck to him. Yeah, best of luck to Prandelli. I mean, it's you know, and, and uh, sometimes you just can only go. You just go as far as you can, you know. And sometimes you're just tired and you're just burned out and you just don't want to do it anymore, yeah. um, you know. And we've seen coaches do that. We've seen coaches hang on for way too long. And um, you know, I mean, college football coaches. I mean, uh, Bear Bryant at Alabama. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, coach. Coach college football at Alabama forever, um, and then uh, once he stepped down, it what shortly after that he passed away. You know, it's almost one of those things that it's just like you know, <laughs> you don't want the job to keep you going and to keep you alive. You don't want that to be, um, uh, yeah. you don't want that to be the uh, you know, 
what's keeping you going, what's keeping you alive. And I've seen that so many times with, yeah. with people that they just, yeah. they, they work and they work and they work because that, that's just what's keeping them going. You know, at some point you, you get away from it, you step away from it um, because of whether it's, whether it's your own personal health um, or whether it's, you know, it's a family issue or he finally just got to the point where I'm saying, Hey, I'm doing my players. I'm doing this team a disservice by staying on here. I'm just not into this. Yep. Yep, and I think uh, it is the right decision because if your heart isn't in, into it 100%, it is a disservice. And, you know, maybe he saw that and said, you know, I, I, it's best if I step away and someone comes in who does have that passion. And it looks like, like you said, Iakini's going to be back in, in in the lineup, I think, as uh, next manager returned for him. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Fiorentina down the line. Um, yeah, interesting. Fiorentina... Um some Fiorentina fans uh, on Twitter just, you know, upset about the Yakini appointment. Sure. Couple things here. First of all, a couple things. First of all, who, who else are you going to get this late in the season? Yeah. That's, um, that's I mean, difficult. nobody's coming until the, uh, you know, until the off season. Yep. Anybody of quality isn't coming until the summer because they want a full preseason. They want their say in players. They want their yep. say in this and that they, you know, I, they, don't want, I, they don't want to damage the reputation before the summer, right? Right. <laughs> there might be some managers that are fine with those last, okay, I've got 10 games to see what I, I me personally, I wouldn't mind it, but no one's going to sure. ever hire me to be a, <laughs> you know, to be a city A manager. And Fiorentina you know, might. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Comiso knows where to get a hold of me. Um, <laughs> so we're, it's not like we're tight, but you know, he can just look me up here on YouTube. Um, but. I, I could see as a manager not minding having those 10 games. If I know that I'm safe and I'm going to be in Serie A again next season, you know, and if you look at Fiorentina in the table right now. They're okay. Uh, they're okay. They're not. They're well, not seven in, points up on the last relegation spot, I think, right? Yeah, seven That's... clear, I believe. Yeah, 29 for them, 22 for Cagliari. You know, so not in dire straits. No. Um, Was it nine know, games not left? In trouble, not in trouble, but not also, also not totally safe. Um, I wouldn't mind having... 10 games to take stock in what I have uh, so that I can get out of the season and, and go to the board and say, all right, if you're really serious about this, here's what we need. Yeah. Um, that's a, that, that's one strategy and that's one way to do it. But again, I think that some managers just say, look, I'd rather, you know, they'd rather wait till the summer, um, you know, and, and be able to uh, have time to present their strategy to the, you know, to the board, to the, to, to Comiso and say, um, this is the plan now. I or you know, maybe don't have to manage those last ten games and just be in the background and maybe be a candidate for the position and say, hey, I've watched your team exclusively in hopes that this job could turn up for me. Here's what I see. Here's what I think needs to get better. Here's yeah. what we need. So. Yeah, I th- and I think that's the way it should. You know, if you're Fiorentina, uh, you don't want to rush into thing unless someone who you know is the right person for the job is available, which there's no one at the moment. It, it would seem. Then why are you right. going to rush it? Because uh, if you did find the right guy, you want to snap him up and give him those ten games so he can assess it. But like you said, for the guys who are becoming available or will be available come the summertime that they, they can now look at these 10 games and really scrutinize the team and really put a formula a formula or a plan together to present to Camiso and say this is what i want to do with the, with the club going forward and you know um you know yes iakini is not the answer they want but um you're in a relatively safe spot at the moment and i think uh hopefully as long as things don't get too too close at the end um let it be and then next season hopefully get a new manager the right manager uh not iakini and then we can um hopefully start progressing upwards because it's been a long time for fiorentina and it'd be nice to see them back in european play 
Yeah, I, I mean, I got to think that Yakini is a babysitter here. I, I, yeah. I, I can't yeah. believe that they're going to they're bringing him back for unless they went 10 uh, in a row or something, <laughs> you know, for a long term, uh, you know, for a long term contract. So, you know, so we'll have to wait and see. And I think that that was just what Comiso did out of, hey, a manager that is actually still familiar with these players. Let's just let's let's do it. So um, Prand- let's talk about Prandelli and then we'll talk about Fiorentina. Um Prandelli. Um, his first go around at Fiorentina was obviously better. Um, it yeah. was decent. I wouldn't necessarily call it spectacular. I believe it was Montella that got Fiorentina to top four um, several years ago. Right. Um, I think that Prandelli's biggest achievement was uh, guiding Italy to the Euro 2012 final. Um I don't know if it was expected. It certainly wasn't expected that Italy could get that far and, and, and right. could, you know, um, but just, I also remember just the, just horrible mismanagement of the team uh, <laughs> in that final yeah. uh, against Spain. And you bring on Tiago Mota and then he gets hurt and you got to take him off and you actually have to finish playing the game with 10 men. Uh-huh. And it's how Fernando Torres went on to get his golden boot was he was able to just get two goals against, basically a vulture picking at the carcass, yeah. uh, you know, of an Italy team that just wasn't interested in playing anymore. It was all about damage control. Um, so, you know, so as I look at Penandelli, if this is his last gig, that to me is probably his biggest achievement was, was getting the opportunity to manage the Azzurri, lead them to the 2012 World, uh, European Cup, uh, European Championship final. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, you know, whatever lasting legacy he left at Fiorentina as well. But yeah, I think the uh, the Azzurri would be the the staple of his career, I think. Um, obviously, some great players have come through him, both in the national team and, and uh, with the club's team as well. But um, yeah, I think that I agree with you. I think that the Azzurri 2012 would be the, the pinnacle of all that. So not a bad way to uh, end your career. All right. Uh, Fiorentina. What's the... And we'll talk about them a little bit here when we when we recap all the games. Um, tell me the one thing. Just looking at their squad, you know, forget about the the outside stuff and and people thinking that Comiso is a clown show and all this other stuff that that Fiorentina fans <laughs> seem to say. Let's just look exactly at the squad because what we like to do on Celia sit down. We we want we care more about what's going on on the pitch. Right. Um, what's the one? Thing you would do to improve this squad? Where do you improve this squad? You know, part of me wants to say defensively because you know everything stops defensively. Drogowski is a fantastic keeper, no doubt about it. Milinkovic is a, a standout center back. Uh, Petzela, he's he's serviceable. Um, if you could get an upgrade in center back, I think maybe upgrade in wing back. I'm not sold yet on Cuarta and, and Casares is getting up there in age. Um, I really like their midfield. I see, I see there's a lot of talent there. And then, you know, yeah, from the attacking aspect, sure, they got some older guys like uh, Callejon and, and Bonaventura, but they got some youngsters as well. Oh, Ribery as well is another another aging guy. But they got, you know, Castrovili, they got Pulgar, Vlaovic is, you know, up and coming out, Kawame, who they got on the bench. There's a lot of good talent there. Um, yeah. But I think if they can solidify, if they can give Dragowski a standout defense in front of him, this could be this could be a team that would be difficult for people because um, you got a great goalkeeper. I mean, a fantastic goalkeeper, and they put a, a stellar defense in front of him with that midfield and attacking options that they have. They could do some damage, and especially with the, the right manager who who can game plan around that, um, you could have a team that could counterattack and be very dangerous. You know, something that would be formidable every week, and a team that could really challenge for a European play. 
Um, I don't think they need much. They've been massively underachieving for the last 10 years at least. Um, so it, it's not much. They're, they're, they're very close. They need the right manager, obviously, but I think if they can sound up that defense, keep Malink, build around Milinkovic, uh, and, and get a really strong defense, I think this team is poised to have a, a, a big bounce back uh, next year. Um, Finally. <laughs> I like that. I, I actually think Quart is decent. And I don't think we've, you know, I mean, I think that that he's still, he's still got a trajectory here. Um, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily disappointed, but he hasn't really wowed to your point either. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that that's another guy, and it depends. I mean, how how do you play with this team? Do you play with a three man defense? Do you, you know, yeah. which if you know, Cristiano Biragi is a staple of this. You know, or if he's a staple of what you want to do, playing in you know playing in that left wing back position, then you're going to need, you know, you're going to need a three man defense. He can't be a fullback in the back four. Um, so uh, they pieced some things together. Just I I think the problem here is that I just don't think they've been able to get it to blend. I mean, you, you look at. You know, Polgar's a specialist, can take set pieces. He he scored a great one against Milan on Sunday. Yeah. You know, Biragi can take set pieces. You know, so you got a couple of different guys that can that can do that. You've got some pretty technical players, but you also have some some retreads here. Um, you know, in in positions. You Callejon, Bodaventura, Borja Valero. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about in, in Casares, you know, who you alluded to. Um, in, in Ribery, let's not forget, Ribery's 37 years old, too. I mean, yeah. you know, he's in fits and spurts. He's not consistent. You know, you've got an aging team here. You know, you've got some young talent. Dragovsky is a goalkeeper, you said. Very good. Milenkovic. Vlaovic has a chance to be a very good striker if you can yeah. tailor the system to his talents. Um, I think that they need I actually will will play devil's advocate and say I think that they can do better in midfield than what they're currently doing. Um, I think they have a collection of average. Um, Amrabat I expected more out of yeah, uh, when he made his move. Um, you need a guy so you got him, you've got Pulgar who in the run of play plays in more of a deep lying role. Mm-hmm. You know, Amrabat can do that. You got to there's there there isn't a ten. You, you Castrovilli, Castrovilli to me is kind of a cheap Barella. You know, I don't think he's a behind the strikers guy. I think he's a guy that you could probably put in this. You know, have in the right system, have the play the same role as as Nicolo Barella with his with his skill set. Yeah, you know that maybe even on the wings, maybe on the wings too. Right, and who's you know there isn't a guy that pulls the strings that 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 makes you really really worry about this Fiorentina team and I think that that's what I'd like to see I you know they got to try to do away with some of these these retreads I think that they thought that they were going to get some of that with Callejon and and Bonaventura and things like that and it hasn't quite it hasn't quite come off yeah no they, they need to maybe look at some of these other Serie A teams or even reach out with their scouting department and try to find that playmaker maybe on on the cheap uh, that they can build and maybe, you know, steal from uh, Atalanta's uh, academy and find a playmaker there that can really set them up. Because I think, yeah, you're right. If you have a, have a playmaker on that team, um, to go along with Castrovilli, that could be some massively upgraded, uh, at least offensively. So, yeah, yep. I like that. So I just think, I think Castrovilli can be a box-to-box guy that 
Yeah. Going forward, you know, if you can keep it and go forward, that he's one of those guys that's going to make the runs into the penalty area. He's doing it now, you know, where Vlaovic can pull defenders in one direction, and that's going to open up a space in the penalty area for Castrovilli to enter, you know, and you find ways like Biragi to get crosses in, or I think, you know, or whoever you play on the right, Malqui, uh, you know, some of these other guys. But I'm, I, I'd like to see a 10 you know, step up into this team, you know, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think he's in their squad right now. Um, So, you know, someone like what Rui Rui Costa was for Fiorentina before he went to Milan. I wonder if, I wonder if Kwame could play that role. Maybe not a 10 per se, like the natural 10, but you know, when he was lined up with Piantic at Genoa, he was like that second striker and was very good at that position. So, you know, maybe that's an option. Yeah, but I think Kawame is a guy for me that I, I I like seeing I like getting in getting him into higher positions. Yeah, I agree. In with front that. of that that striker, I think he'd make an excellent complement to Vlaovic in that situation. It's I agree. It's pretty much as you were from his time at Genoa. Um, so yeah, the, the the guy behind him that can pick those people and find them. Uh, that's that's what this Fiorentina team I think. <laughs> they'd be a heck of a lot better because when you take a look at them, they really struggle to score goals. I mean, we've yeah. been talking about that a lot this season too. It's It's been a little bit better as the season's gone on, um, but there was a time where they were starving for goals. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, having a little bit of creativity and, and maybe being a little bit less predictable uh, than just depending on balls from the wingbacks or some, you know, certain counterattacks and things like that would probably help them. So. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, your point is great too. Another defender won't hurt this team, um, to, to partner with Milenkovic. Um, I kind of think that Quarta could probably still be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, adding some depth in the back doesn't hurt either. So yeah. very good point there too. So, all right. So that's, uh, the chat on Prandelli. We wish him well, Fiorentina. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to regroup from this. Uh, and move forward but now let's move on Richard um, little matter of the uh, Derby della Sud between Roma and Napoli yeah certainly was it's a big game for both these clubs uh, obviously a lot at stake it's a Derby as you were in it a, a southern Derby here but uh, let's you know Roma would be the host in this one uh, looking at the lineups Frank let's start with that uh, in for in goal for Roma uh, Paolo Lopez as normally uh, their lineup would be Gianluca Mancini, Brian Cristante at defense again. We've had our opinions on that. Uh, Roger Ibanez, Rick Carjrop, Lorenzo Pellegrini, Diawara, Spinazzola, Pedro, El Sharawi, and Eden Dzeko. Um, a decent lineup. Uh, you know, I was maybe thinking that by, uh, Mayoral will get the, the start in this one, but uh, it would be Dzeko in this one, I guess, coming off the uh, the European action. Uh, what's your, what were your thoughts on the, on the lineup You know, coming into this one? I, I I'm never gonna I am never gonna back Cristante as a center back. I, no, I'm no. just not. There'll be reasons um, why in this game why we yeah. talk about that continuously. Yeah, and uh, you know we've been saying it all season long. It just doesn't work. And I you know if Onseca has to do it out of necessity, I mean, how bad has Federico Fazio gotten that? <laughs> That he can't, he can't get a game, and then Fonseca would rather take a center central center midfielder like Cristante and play him in the center of a three man defense. Yeah, <laughs> and, and there's some fans that, that are saying that you know he does a a decent job, but I just yeah. every time I see him, it seems like he makes more mistakes than not, and it's that's at that position you do not want to make high, high, a lot of mistakes as he does, and I don't know, maybe I just see the mistakes more than I see the good plays. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 
curious to see Pellegrini in a role where he's in a midfield role next to Diawara. Yeah. You know, I think the idea there was to push him up um, and and let Diawara stay behind where he can help put some pressure. And then you've got Pedro and Al Shorawi who could who, who could pull a little bit wider wider and higher than the, than the wingbacks. So um, you have that dynamic. So that that was a curious one to me. I don't know if I necessarily like Pellegrini in that role. I like him playing a little higher. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think that that might have also been a a necessity thing as well, uh, you know, based on what was available. Um, I, was, I was curious how Diawara would do against his whole team too, you know, having him in sure. the lineup. But, um, yeah. Sure. I mean, I, you know, curious that they went with El Shadawi. Um, that's probably where Pellegrini should have been, and you could have probably played Gonzalo Villa next to, mm-hmm. to Diawara in more of a holding role, especially when you know what's coming with Napoli with how they can – how they can counter. And I think that that would have maybe given them a little more protection in front of a back three, especially one where Cristante is deputizing as a center back. Yeah. And I wonder if, uh, you know, the European play did come into it at all that they felt maybe that, uh, they wanted to give some of these guys a rest. Uh, you know, I don't know what, what the decision was behind that, but, uh, yeah, a curious one. You know, they obviously try to match some things with Napoli. It wasn't necessarily the greatest outcome of it, but I can I can see at least the beginning what the what the thought process behind there. So yeah, yep. uh, Moving on to the visitors uh, in goal, David Ospina would start, and then they, their lineup would be Husai, Maximovic, Kulabali, and Mario Ruiz in the back four. Uh, midfield of Ruiz, Deme, and, Polit- and, uh, and Zelensky, and then you had Politano, Insigne, and Mertens up top. Um, really, was like a four-two-three-one. Uh, interesting lineup. A, a bunch of smalls in this one. Um, Osimhen not getting the start in this one again, uh, as well as Bakayoko. But uh, overall, uh, a very attack-minded offense uh, or lineup, I should say. And uh, it seemed strong from the be- from the beginning. And I was uh, curious to see with uh, Maritans playing the uh, the nine position, how how they would do against a a team that's uh, usually likes to hog the possession in in Roma. Well, we've always loved Meritans in that nine. Yeah, uh, back He's been when good. He, even even with Saudi's Napoli, I mean, he was excellent. Uh, he had, what thirty one goals in one year, right? Yeah, it was a Capocannoneri winner. Um, was that the was that the first year we did this? I think so. I yeah, think so. First or second yeah. year? Yeah. Um, you know, so um, I uh, so so I, I like the prospect of that, especially in some of these counterattacking situations where. Mertens is going to move all over the place. He's not necessarily a guy you're going to seek out for target play. Um, you know, so you can get behind uh, and get in the blind spots of some of these defenders and get in for some of these balls. Um, and, uh, you know, and then Politano has been playing better, uh, you know, for Napoli. I mean, I think that this is a guy that uh, Napoli fans scrutinized for quite a while, uh, especially last year. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's starting to come around. You know, and play well. And there's that, that, that double pivot of Deme and Fabian again, um, which has been very good. Was excellent against Milan the week before. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, it looks like uh, functionally was going to be asked to do a lot of the same things in this game. Yeah, no, it certainly was. And I think, uh, you know, we had Rafa on last week. Uh, with our many laughs on the show, but you know one of the things he talked about is that you know this season the the how Lozano and Politano really stepped up this year and really brought a lot of attacking prowess, not only with assists and, and goals uh, coming from the two of them. So yeah, it's a, it's been a 
a saving grace for them to have both those players there. It's, they're both like similar players, and so you know they can play each guy for a half or whatever, and you know you're gonna have the same quality no matter what. So yeah, good stuff by Politano and and, and the lineup that they have there. So yeah, it's uh, it was always gonna be an interesting lineup, and then uh, you know getting into this one, uh, the game was it's always gonna be a battle of the midfield, right? Who's gonna be able to, to hog the possession? Um, really was the first opportunity of the game. Didn't come until uh, 17th minute or so. Uh, ball comes into Edin Dzeko. You know, he gets a turnaround. It was an, it was an okay shot. Easy save by David Ospina. By Roma signaling their intent that they were going to be in the game. Uh, but um, in the 23rd minute, uh, Cristante, the center back, uh, turns his ugly head. Give, make a terrible giveaway. Um and Sinia ends up finding the ball ends up finding Zelensky. Zelensky nearly gets a goal. Uh, again, this is one of the re- main reasons why we say Cristante should not be a center back is plays like this where needless turnover and gives a right right to a, a quality scoring opportunity that they nearly put away there. Frank, uh, not good look there by Cristante. Had two mo- two mistakes in that play as well, but yeah, not a good play overall, huh? No, no, not at all. I mean, you could just. You could kind of you could kind of see the little bit of disorganization, and then you have a you know have a player like Pellegrini also, you know, playing deeper in midfield where we normally like to see him in the, um, you know, you know, in higher positions like we talked about. So some of that had to some of that had to do with it, and I think it was pretty yeah. easy for Napoli to get through the lines because of that. Um, and uh, yeah, d- dangerous chance there, and uh, you know. Uh, Pity that Napoli didn't finish him off though. Finish him off on that one. Yeah, and they kind of they seem to give Napoli more and more confidence because they started getting more and more of the pl- the play in that first half. Uh, just a couple minutes later, uh, Pellegrini uh, Zelensky's at the top of the box dancing around. He gets taken down by Pellegrini. Uh, that is a prime location for many. The, you know, Napoli have a lot of good set piece takers, uh, but Dries Mertens uh, would be the one to step up in this one. Uh, he would score a goal of the week candidate, the 99th goal of his career. Uh, wonderful free kick goal. Uh, you really have to look at the, the second angle where it's behind him, which you can really appreciate the curve and the way it goes over the wall uh, over his players. So uh, excellent strike for them. Uh, one nothing lead early. I mean, what more can you say about Mertens and the free kick? He, his ability uh, is 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 top notch. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, it was well taken. I mean, and it yeah. wasn't even any pace. There wasn't really any pace on it. It was just no. It was just directed. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, I you know and. Sometimes in goalkeepers uh, in those situations, what are you going to do? So. Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, speaking of a situation where the goalie, what are you going to do? Uh, in the 34th minute, uh, Lorenzo, uh, Lorenzo Insigne, excuse me, with a beautiful diagonal pass, uh, finds Politano back door. He beautifully touches it back across the goal to Mertens, wide open for a header. Gets his hundredth goal for not for hundredth goal uh, his career, and uh, what a goal! He left the goalie out to dry. Beautiful, beautiful team goal by Napoli there. I mean, and this is exactly what we're talking about with the ability to get in and get behind yeah and in dangerous positions because this was exactly what happened with Napoli here i mean first it was politano um you know peeled away from ibanez uh, and it was a perfectly played ball by insigne and then it, roma just stops i mean they switched off they, everybody switched off yeah. um i don't know if they counted on politano to maybe try to head one on target uh, but he has the presence of mind to see that that Meritans is following the play. Roma defenders are not, uh, which is pretty criminal at a professional level. Um, but Meritans, uh, see, you know, Politano sees that, heads it across, and then Meritans finishes it. And congratulations on 100 uh, Serie A goals. Yeah, it was uh, wonder- wonderfully, wonderfully 
beautiful play just an all the way around. Politano with the, the the heads up to just hit it right across goal, wide open to Insigne, or to Mertens, excuse me. Mertens nearly fluffed it because he, he hit it kind of towards Paolo Lopez, but it got, it got in nonetheless. Um, it wouldn't be all... It wouldn't be all Napoli in that first half. You know, Roma did have an opportunity to peg one back. Uh, Cristante and his midfield capabilities showed up in, in off of a, of a set piece or a corner kick. Uh, gets a nice side volley, nearly scores, uh, forced uh, Ospina to make a big save. But that yeah. would have been a, that would have been a goal of the week candidate right there if had he scored. But uh, very close. Uh, it would go into halftime, two nothing. Um, Again, a, a very weak start to a game for Roma. This has been their problem, especially against the top six. Uh, and again, two goals that probably could have uh, done something about uh, really mistakes by themselves to really allow uh, Napoli to come in. Obviously, full credit to Napoli. And uh, down 2 nothing at halftime, not the way you want to start a derby like this. I'm just surprised that... I mean, I, I thought Napoli dominated this first half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they dominated possession. They dominated the chances. Um, and with Roma's lineup, um, Roma built a lineup that should have had the ball um, yeah. and should have had more possession and more chances, but right. they ended up sitting back. And that's a credit to the job that Napoli did, putting them under pressure, forcing them into some situations. Now, that said, when Roma did go forward, when they did – create when they when they had they they got through the lines they they were successful in doing what milan failed to do the week before um and uh that uh is what you know was the difference here but it was alarming to me that you put out that team with that kind of technical quality but you're only coming away with 42 percent possession uh against the gattuso managed team that is away um you know Fonseca got this. I, I, th- I think I understand what Fonseca was trying to do, right? But they just they didn't carry out what you would expect from the lineup that they put out there. Um, you know that lineup was built to keep the ball, you know, and generate some chances. That lineup is not built to sit back. That's not that lineup is not uh, conducive to allowing Napoli to have such possession and. You know, in chances, you should be bossing the. You should be trying to boss the game with 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 the players that you had out there. Yeah, and they've had success this year doing a counterattack. But a team like this, you do not want to attack. You want you want to have the possession of the ball. Keep the keep their opportunities at a minimum. The more you give them the ball, the more opportunities they're going to create. Uh, we've seen what kind of uh, plays this this Napoli team can create. You know, from their from their playmakers. So yeah, I think they had it they had it wrong in this one and. Uh, it ultimately hurt them, especially in the first half. Uh, you know, that being down two nothing, just like that. So they came out in the second half. Uh, I think Pellegrini had a great opportunity, like right in the first minute of the second half. It looks like Roma were getting yeah. into it, but again, it was Napoli picking up where they left off in the first half, right? Really owning the possession, getting creating some opportunity. And it wasn't until probably like the 60th minute, of the hour mark, uh, really, when you saw Koulibaly making a rare mistake, uh, turns it over. Pellegrini ends up getting the shot off, hits the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from that point on, you know, they're already down 2-0 uh, Romar. And they started finally putting more onus and getting more opportunities and getting better of the play in that second half. Had some chances here and there, but... Um, every time that they 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 did get a chance, it either was saved by Ospina or the defense came up to to stop them. Um, Roma made a valid attempt to try to get back to this game in that second half, Frank, by getting more of the possession. But um, Napoli were up to the efforts, and you know you got to give credit to the way Gattuso lined up his team. Their team bent but didn't break, 
uh, and ultimately they 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 stuck it out and found a way to get a two nothing win. A big wig, big win for them because they're they're back in the year and top four contention now. And and Roma, uh, they're just getting harder and harder every week. Is it's not not easy for them at the moment. That last European spot is uh, starting to dwindle away. That opportunity there. Yeah, uh, I mean obviously Dries Martins is going to get all the plaudits, right? Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. But David Ospina made a couple of key saves here. Uh, to help keep them, I think that you know, for for all the bashing I just did of Roma, they should also. I mean, it, reality is, is that as poorly as that first half went, um, they can kick themselves for not getting something out of this game with the chances that they yeah. did create. Yeah. So, especially in the second um, half. Yeah. Um, I thought that Deme and Fabian once again were very good. Yeah. Um, you know, in the holding midfield, there were, like I said, in the moments where they got caught behind were the most, were the most glaring ones. The ones that hit the post, the ones where us being to get called on. So there was some relative success there from Roma, but, um, you know, I thought, so I thought that they were, I thought that they were effective once again. Um, you know, and like I said, Aspina, we probably would talk about Aspina a little bit more had it not been for Merton's getting two goals. Correct. And I think, you know, uh, you got to look at Napoli. They didn't leave their goaltender out to dry. As Roma left their goaltender out to dry on two goals yep. in particular, uh, and those were those were the game winners, right? And so, yep. uh, full credit to Napoli in the way they set up with their team. And like, like you said, Roma are going to be kicking themselves because they had many. They did have opportunities in that second half, and you know, unfortunately for them, Ospina was there. <laughs> you know, so uh, any other day they probably would have scored a couple more goals, but uh, not this day. And, and unfortunately, they're. Their futile run continues for them. So, yeah, a big win, big big derby win, Derby de la Sud for for Napoli. Uh, they win the game. Uh, you know, the stats they, they tell you, you know, they tell you that Roma had more of the possession, but that's because you know the second half they're playing down the two goals, trying to catch back up. Um, both goalkeepers had some big saves in the game. We mentioned Ospina having a big game, and he would have been arguably the man of the match had it not been for Mertens. Mm-hmm. Um, shots were fairly even. I mean, it was overall it seemed like, you know statistically it seemed like an even game. But when you're watching the game, it looked like Napoli was a better team. So deserved winners in this one. Uh, and yeah, now they're they're very they're, they're catching up to you know both Napoli or excuse me uh, Juventus and uh, Atalanta. So uh, they're they're still in it. They're still in it. Game in hand now, um, yep. which will be against U of A. And yep. I believe that, you know, as Rafa said last week, that's going to be in April. Um, you know, if Napoli win, this gets really, really snug. Uh, second, third, fourth, and yep. fifth. Yep. You know, if Juve win, um, they're, you know, Juve and Milan are going to be breathing sighs of relief and they're going to have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of distance from, from fifth. Yeah. So. Um, so that's something to consider. Roma, I mean, this is in part why I had them eighth. I just didn't trust them. Um, but they're yeah. sixth. You know, they're ahead of Lazio. Yeah. They're they're suffering. Believe it or not, I mean, crazy to say this because Lazio was in this spot two years ago, and where and it's why they finished eighth because they couldn't beat anybody in the top six. You know, they end up rallying and winning the Coppa Italia that season. You right, right. Um, but uh, and I, I and I can't put my finger on why Roma can't beat Inter, Milan, Juve, Atalanta, Napoli, or even Lazio. It's a mental block, and it surely is. Um, 
And, you know, Fonseca's talked about it many times. He blasted his team after the loss, saying that they didn't have the mental fortitude to win this game, that he thought he set it up. Tactically, he thought he, he did the right things, but mentally they were just too fragile. And it's just been a recurring theme with them. We saw this in the last game when they played in Milan. Uh, same comments we heard from Fonseca. Um, it's something that's in their psyche, and they, get, they have to find a way to shake it. We found that Inter have found a way to shake their perennial or their annual uh, psyche breakdowns, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. they, they typically break down in January, but this year they've they've held strong, and so there's there's ways to do it. It's just not easy, and yeah. Roma haven't found the way to do it yet, and it's 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 rearing its head again against the top six. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what to tell them. That's their biggest thing. I mean, it's not always just the top six. They got to beat the rest of the teams below. You know, um, if you do that, at least you're you're going to be in the mix, and which they are at the moment. But you, if you really want to contend for Champions League, if that's your ultimate goal or one of your main goals, other yeah. than Scudetto, you need a win against the top six. Yeah, plain yeah, and simple. I, I mean, even top four, it's yeah. you know, it's it's not a good look if you can't beat the teams around you that you're competing with for chances to play in the Champions League. Your whatever your aspirations are. Yeah. So exactly. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's you know, it's an issue, and I I'm still not getting around, uh, getting my head around why. I mean, this game, I think they were a little bit more unlucky. Um, did they, you know, did they kind of create their own demise? You know, sure. You know, you commit a foul in a dangerous area on free kick with the guys at Napoli have. Yeah. If you switch off in a certain situation, sure. You know, but they rallied and, and arguably could have still gotten something out of this. I mean, yeah. but, you know, I, mean, I don't want to take away anything. Napoli were the better team in this game. Yeah. Deserved, um, deserved winners. It, you know, and deserved to win the game. But Roma had their opportunities to try to get something out of it. And, you know, there are there are some issues here with them. And, and, and it is a mentality thing. And, you know, you know, maybe Fonseca uses the Europa League to try to figure this out. But again, I'm not holding up hope. It's Roma in Europe. Uh, it's only been they're winning the whole thing. <laughs> yep, it's only been fun one time. So, um, you know, huh. so, nonetheless. But yeah. Um, so that's our take on what went on in Derby de la Sud. Let's whip through the other games. Uh, Inter uh, dealing with a little bit of a COVID outbreak, so the inter Sassuolo game was postponed. That would yep. have been uh, the Saturday night game. So everything started Friday. Uh, Parma hosting Genoa in the 16th minute, right off the bat to start the weekend, a goal of the week candidate, an overhead kick from Graziano Pelle, your Southampton boy. I should have worn a jersey uh, today. I should have worn it. Why did I think about yeah, it? Yeah, you should. Why not? Uh, you know, putting uh, Parma up one to, one goal to nil. But this is Parma, and what do Parma do? They drop points. Yeah. Uh, Gianluca came on at uh, the start of the second half. Uh, Ballardini probably looked in his dressing room. This Skamaka kid's pretty good. I'll just throw him out there. <laughs> and sure enough, Skamaka braces 50th and 69th minute. The 69th minute goal is a goal of the week candidate. Yeah. Um, Genoa win. By two goals to one, it was in Davide Balladini, Genoa shithouse fashion. They had 44% possession. The only two shots on target were the two that Skamaka scored. Yep. Uh, so Genoa go on and win. Uh, moving on, uh, Crotone against uh, Bologna. Another team that can't afford to drop points, dropped points. Uh, Junior Macias in the 32nd minute on a free kick that I think he was trying to play in, and it just got past. It was, boy, disgusting. Went through everybody. He went through everybody. Yeah, went through everybody, and it got into the back corner of the goal. Uh, 1-0 to Crotone. Simi would get a penalty in the 40th minute. Um, but uh, 2-0, and they fucked it up. Uh, 
that's probably the best way to put it. Yes. Here comes yes. here comes Bologna with uh, Adama Sumaro. There you go. Is that it? Sumaro. All right, I got it. Uh, in the 62nd minute, uh, Yardy Scouten with a goal of the week candidate in the yes. 70th. Yeah. And then uh, some nice team play uh, after a nice save by Kordas, but then it was Andreas Skov Olsen in the 84th minute. Um, uh, I had a problem with Kordas. He should have been able to just collect yeah. the, the initial shot. I agree. Um, I agree. Instead of parry it. And uh, Skov Olsen scoring to give Bologna a 3 2 win. I mean, Crotone need all the points they can get. You can't. You just can't drop no. uh, a 2-0 lead. Uh, Spezia hosting Cagliari. Um, oh, did you know what? That you know, We never covered this, and, and shame on us. Cersei Cosmi is uh, Crotone manager. Did you know this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard, I heard about that. I meant, yeah, when, I, when it happened, I meant to bring it up as well, and I just it, we, something happened that week that kind of just you know, steered me the other direction. But, yeah, he's back in, uh, he's back in our lives, and he's... Uh, Managing uh, Spezia, they've been doing well. They've been doing yeah. well since he's been there. So they're playing well. They're they're pl- they're just not getting results. Yeah. So, um, Spezia beat Cagliari two one. Roberto Piccoli in the 49th minute uh, from Emmanuel Giassi, and then mm-hmm. it was uh, Julia Maggiore in the 80th. Uh, Gaston Pereiro coming back in the 83rd. Um, a goal was canceled in stoppage time that would have tied this at two. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah. So Jao Pedro, who got the game, who got the game tying goal, he was like an elbow offside. It was very, very close. Um, but the, the you know with the VAR and in fact he was offside, so it was a good call, a good tight. It was a tight, tight call. But uh, the goal taken away, unfortunately for Jao Pedro, and uh, yeah, sucks for Cali, huh? They need to revisit. In the off season, body parts that can't score goals. Correct, I agree. Being an, I mean, we're getting way too extreme and way too much to the letter of the law here. Yeah, his hair is offside. Mean, I mean, the only thing that I can respect about this is that everybody's been consistent. Yes. You know, I mean, if you if you have a pubic hair in an offside position, <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get called for offside. Why are you talking about Fazio? <laughs> The hairy <laughs> doesn't have to worry. He doesn't play. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so. uh, no, yeah, I agree. I think it should be just the feet and your head. You know, if, yeah. if, you know, those are the ones are going to score. And even the head is pushing it. I mean, like anything that's not your arms. Yeah. Okay, I mean because even the head though, I mean, even the head, it should be just the feet. Yeah, you know, and even that's like it should be blatantly offsides. You know, like if it's if it's tight, if it's you know within you know a foot, let it play. Let it play yeah. on. Jeez. Yeah. So it's just um, it's just, and if your pubic hairs are getting in an, an, are in an offside position, the, you, you might want to consider Manscaped. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> are they a sponsor yet? No, 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 no. They're not. They sponsor Calcio Connection. Okay. So there you go. Us. But they're getting free. They're getting free publicity here. Uh, that's awesome. So, so that's what it is. Uh, very, I mean, very active game here. Uh, Twenty-five shots between the two teams. Uh, pretty entertaining one at that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Certainly. Certainly two teams that played like there was something to play for, which was good to see. Absolutely. Um, how would Atalanta react to the disappointment of going out of the UEFA Champions League? Just fine, thank you. They beat Hellas Verona 2-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, a penalty by uh, Malinowski in the 33rd minute, and then he would provide Verduvan Zapata in the 42nd. That's all they would need uh, to win this game. I, I was going to say the uh, my pick for Capacanieri, for Capacanieri, but he's way down there in the goal, so I shouldn't say that. 
Yeah, you probably don't want to tweet that right now. No, no. You're going to need to. Can I change this to Luce Mario? No. (laughs) (laughs) Same team. Yeah, yeah. Just wrong guy. Yeah. Marco Silvestri uh, really kept Hellas Verona in it. This could have been a blowout. Uh, yeah. You know, the way Atalanta played and the way they performed here. So, um, uh, and then uh, let's all point at Juventus and laugh. <laughs> they, lost, they lost to Benevento. Yeah. Uh, it was a uh, former, former Milan players there in uh, Inzaghi and, and Pirlo managing. But uh, yeah, Benevento, a freaking Arthur, terrible turnover. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, Gaich or whatever his name is, that. Uh, Full advantage of and great goal by him. Um, no, it's the guy. It's his name. Yeah, um, but you know, Juve had their chances, uh, yep. but it just wasn't their day. It wasn't yep. their day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't think Benevento had the ball until that goal. Um, yeah, seventy three percent, seventy three percent possession for Juve. Twenty one shots. Has been modest. Seven on target. Uh, Montipo was excellent. Um, yeah. Yes, he was. Certainly, you know, we we've got I've got five goals for the goals of the week, but certainly honorable mention for his performance. Sure, so. and they they may have just saved their their Syria ticket for next year with that win there. So uh, I mean, they went from possibly you know losing that game and only have twenty six points to now winning to get twenty nine and now have a seven point cushion over Cagliari. That's uh, big for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Sampdoria one, Torino nil. Uh, Antonio Candreva in the 25th minute, only goal of the match. Um, Torino had the ball all game here and could get nothing on target. Um, you know, so uh, Belotti was struggling, you know, with target. What's that? Belotti was his target was just off all game. Like he would get opportunities, but just couldn't do anything with it. It's very unBelotti like. Uh, yeah, Odero could have sat back there and enjoyed, you know, a nice little meal. He probably um, did. Probably, yeah. He could have had a picnic. Could have just sat there and had a picnic. Nothing getting was service open. from Canreva, right? Like the commercial. So yeah, nothing was <laughs> nothing was uh, nothing was on target for today. I mean, they're just 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 awful. Uh, Eleven shots and none of them on target. So yeah. uh, Lazio was on target just once uh, at Udinese in a one nil win. This was a game that I thought could end up in a draw with how Udinese had been playing. Yeah. Um, uh, but it was Adam Marusic in the 37th minute on a ball from Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic is probably playing his way into the team of the season with the way he's been, with the way he's been running in midfield. He's certainly in the conversation. We've had some great midfield performances this season, and him, Kessie, Barella, those are just scratching the surface. Yeah. Um, 28 shots between the two teams. You know, certainly Udin- Udinese uh, did everything that they could. Rodrigo De Paul was uh, partic- in particular excellent in this game. Uh, but minus Lazio, the haircut, <laughs> yeah, minus the haircut. Um, but uh, Lazio come away. Well, when you get a haircut like that, you got to go out and play well, so it takes away the attention of your yes. haircut. Yes, yes, I agree. It's so, the best way to do it. So, uh, we talked about Fiorentina at the top of the program. Uh, Fiorentina two, Milan three. Uh, Zlatan in the ninth minute, uh, played in by Simon Kier. Um, Eric Pulgar with a goal of the week candidate in the 17th minute. Wonderful free kick goal. Yes. Um, I don't know what Donnarumma could get mad at there. Uh, His arms weren't long enough. Yeah, that's that's probably it. I mean, six foot six and twenty five foot wingspan still couldn't yeah, reach it. Yeah, I mean, what more? I mean, apparently it's not enough for him. <laughs> <laughs> so. 51st minute Frank Ribery and then he you know he he does his uh, his mating signal that, uh, <laughs> that I don't know what that was for whatever that that that, <laughs> that 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 trouble that he got in with that French prostitute back then oh back in my the day. gosh 
So he was one of them. I mean, there were several French players. Him and, yeah, him and Benzema and a couple others. Yep. So um, <laughs> history lesson. Yeah, I don't even know if he was even trouble. It was just a scandal. So yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, well, I guess that would be trouble. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to think that my standards are low. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Brian Diaz got kind of a look what I found goal to make it 2-2. You notice how quickly I got away from that, right? Good. Smart. <laughs> um, you know, after uh, Kyer did the work, but um, nonetheless, and Kyer got credit for an assist for this um, on that play. He should have for the beating he took. Yeah, for the beating that. he took. That was kind of, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of appropriate. And then, yeah. uh, you know, a guy that we had been beating the shit out of for the last two months, Hakan Chalanolu comes through and scores in finally the showed up. second minute. Yeah, I was almost worried, actually, on that goal that Kessie missed that pass yeah. uh, that, because he ended up taking a couple extra touches and all the defenders got drawn, and I thought that the, I thought that the passing angle was gone. But I think that play wouldn't have happened if Tamori hadn't stepped up and intercepted that ball right to Kessie and Kessie, you know, gave to Chalanolu. So uh, exactly. Tamori, again, outstanding. Exactly. Uh, Tamori outstanding. I mean, the only two shots on target for Fiorentina, they scored. Um, Milan at 61% of the possession of the game really controlled this, you know, just those couple of goals there. I mean, the Polgar goal. And, and I mean, and, and, and Ribery's goal was nice. I'm not making it a goal of the weekend yeah. today just because no. of the celebration afterwards. But um, he – it was a nice little team build up and solid finish before the center backs could get to him. So. Yeah. Uh, three, two for the Rosanetti there. And, of course, we talked about Roma and Napoli, too. So uh, where do you want to start on these, on these Richard? Yeah, um, where do I want to start with all these games? Well, Atalanta are being back to Atal- doing Atalanta things. Uh, yeah. Hellas are in a struggling situation right now. They're they're not performing well as of late, and I don't know if they're just on holiday. They're thinking that, hey, we're not going to get Champions League, so we don't even care about Europa League. I don't know. But they have not been playing very well at all lately, and... Unfortunately, they came up against Atalanta, who are playing well. Uh, they're making their assault in the top four um, very emphatically. And again, with, you know, big first half against uh, Hellas. And then they could have had more goals, as you mentioned. I mean, Ilicic had an, uh, a crossbar in this game, I think, with a wonderful shot and some other great opportunities. Um, to your point, Silvestri was big. And the reason it was only that close because of him. Um yeah, uh, good. It's good for Atalanta. They're, you know, my prediction at the beginning of the season is that would finish second, and you know, right now they're only four points behind Milan, I think it is. So they're they're making their march up upwards. They're tied with Juventus. With Juventus's loss to Benevento and uh, Hellas, it's just uh, I feel for them because I think they have a really good team. They're really they they have at times. Um, very disciplined defensively, and they're very organized, and they can shut people down. But lately, they've been giving up goals left and right, and it's very unlike Hellas, right? And I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on there. Maybe they're just all on vacation mode. I don't know. I can't make it. Very- yeah, they're at a point total and in a position where they can go ahead and hit the beach. I think they already um, have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have conceded. I mean, they the last clean sheet was against Benevento. Since then, Milan, Sassuolo, Atlanta, Atalanta have combined for seven goals. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if this is a Ivan Jodic has worn out his message issue. I think that this is a we can't – we're not – the point total – the point gap is too big to get to Europe. Yeah, we're definitely not getting relegated, <laughs> so we're just going to play this out. So yeah, 
Um, and that's just. I mean, I guess the eighth spot could still technically be, or maybe not. Maybe, so maybe it's only top seven, right? Top seven, yeah. So they're yeah, they're yeah, ten points seven. behind that. So yeah, they're eleven back of seventh. Yeah, so, so that ain't gonna happen. Um, and then uh, you look at their games coming up. They're at Cagliari. Uh, then they host Lazio at Sampdoria, hosting Fiorentina at Inter. So. Uh, Hey, I mean, in some of the form that the teams are on, they they could go to Calgary and get the win. They might change things up. We'll see. I mean, it's just one of these things. When you're in a position like this, you get one of two things. They, they they hit the beach and they just play it out, and they don't finish ninth. They finish something like 14th. Yep. Or they just, hey, we can just come out here and have fun, you know, and and uh, and, and just and, and maybe in the process we'll ruin somebody else's season. So, you know, so we'll see what they're made of. But right now there's, there's been some struggles with, with this Verona team and, uh, you know, hard to pinpoint exactly because there's not a whole lot that's changed to them. Um, I see some different names playing on the back line uh, than what I'm normally used to. Uh, but, um, you know, DiMarco is still out there. Faroni is still out there. Um, you know, Kevin, the pieces Lasagna, just... Kevin, Laz- Kevin Lasagna is starting up front. He's yeah. going back to his first half of the season form <laughs> so that could be a, that could be part of the problem too yeah no it certainly could um you know i think that crotone bologna game was actually a lot better than people would have gave a chance to i think you know before the weekend that's probably not the game they would have tried to watch but it was an entertaining game obviously you know we talked about crotone you know giving up a big lead like they did and then uh bologna coming back i think you know some of the the studs for bologna started showing up after they were down two nothing and uh, obviously, Baro and then, um, man, 38 year old uh, Palacio is still getting it done. He's still finding ways. He's, you know, he's a poacher yeah. and he shouldn't be playing starting the game, but he is nonetheless. And they're finding ways, though. Um, shouting with a, with a great shout, you know, for a goal. Scott Olsen again coming big. Um, they're doing well. Um, you know, Bologna, they're a team I think that many people like, and it's hard not to like them with the players they have, with the manager they have. Um, and they just have been so far so inconsistent, but they found a way in this game. They dug down deep, and uh, big points for them. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't do anything for them in the season, but you want to play it. You just want to end the season well, right? And so, right. Uh, good performance by them, and uh, that pretty much sealed the fate for Crotoni for this season. I don't think they're getting out. I mean, the, the chances were very low, but it's it's all but certainty now. Yeah, I think that um, the bottom two are done. I think Parma's in trouble too. Uh, they're eight points. Uh, or there's, I'm sorry, they're four points from safety. It's Crotoni that's eight points from safety. But Parma has dropped so many points. Yeah. I yeah. just can't trust them to go on a run where they can get past Cagliari and Torino. Uh, so I think that they're in some trouble here. And then I think it's really going to come down to Cagliari and Torino for, their, uh, for the last spot. And, and I don't think... Either of us, no. I don't think there's there's nobody out there that would have projected a a Cagliari that boasts players like Joao Pedro and Simeone and you know Diego Godin going over there, uh, Razvan Marin who's in you know who's a a guy that's on the rise for me. Cranio, a very good goalkeeper, yeah. and then Torino with Andrea Bolotti, um, uh, Zaza, uh, you know Sirigu in goal. Sanabria now is a good player. Sanabria in the mix. Nobody's who who would have imagined 
that these are the two teams playing for the last, you know, to, to, to survive Serie A and the other teams possibly going down the way this is shaping up. No, and I think, I mean, the Parma was kind of, the writing was on the wall when they, when they made their hire. Uh, we knew that that was not going to be a good way for them to end it, but no one, no one would have seen them fall from, what, ninth last year or something. Whatever great start they had last year, um, them and like them and Hellas, and then they dropped big time this year, just couldn't score any goals. And then, like you said, no one was predicting Cagliari or, or Torino, maybe the, maybe the most... Uh, um, <laughs> terrible fans for those clubs. Maybe like, yeah, well, we suck. We're gonna get relegated. Maybe those yeah. are the only ones. But other than that, no one was calling this, and uh, it's been uh, a shock, really. And if one of these two teams do go down, it's gonna be unreal, unreal, really, because I think they both deserve to be in Serie A, and on their days can be formidable Serie A clubs. But yeah, they they've not played that way, so it is yep. what it is. Yep. So we'll have to see, we'll have to keep our eye on this and see how uh, how things progress. You know, with the relegation fight, but right now you're talking about Torino and Cagliari uh, for that last relegation spot. Uh, the way yeah. Spezia and Benevento now, it's going to take those one of those two teams just all of a sudden hitting an awful patch of form to give both teams a chance to get out. But, yeah. um, I mean, Benevento just got three points that they couldn't have dreamed of getting. Um, you know, in terms of their uh, in terms of their ability to stay up, winning at Juve. Uh, so, and it was really a look what I found when, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like they, it yeah, it's not, it's just, it's, it's one of those that it was just, you know, bad day at the office for the, uh, for the old lady. So it was, it was, it certainly was. Yep. All right. Well, goals of the week. Uh, what do you got? Okay. Let's see. Um, there were some good goals of the week. Uh, so my audible mentions, uh, some Skamaka with his second. I thought that was a nice goal, but it wasn't yeah. quite enough to make the top five. Sampdoria's team goal, the one Candreva scored, I think it was really nice passing by them. Usually his team goals make my top five, but it didn't this week. Um, Dries Mertens, his, uh, free kick goal, the 99th was, uh, wonderfully done, as well was the team goal by Napoli for the 100th goal for, for Mertens. Uh, but again, two, two team play goals that didn't make my top five. So my top five are, uh, number five actually is uh, Giulio Maggiore from Spezia. Uh, whether he intended to do that beautiful uh, volley off the ground and bounce over the keeper or not, it was a pretty looking goal. Uh, very lucky for sure indeed, but that's number five for me. Number four for me, uh, one of the one of the few shots on target for Lazio, Marosic. Uh, wonderfully, done, wonderfully well done with his right foot to get it uh, top corner. Uh, that comes in number four. Number three, uh, Shouten with Bologna. Wonderful distance, uh, long-range bomb by him to get the goal. Uh, well taken there. Number two for me, I'm going to go Graziano Pele, his bicycle goal. It was a good goal. It wasn't a fantastic bicycle, but it was a goal. It was going on the less, and it was very well done by him. Number one for me is going to be Eric Pulgar. I thought it was just a sensational goal. Uh, when you have a keeper who has a 90-foot wingspan, you still can't stop it. Um, that's, that's a pretty spot-on goal, right in the upper 90, like perfect. So number one for me, easily. Okay. Um, mine are uh, uh, the team, the Sampdoria team goal, Candreva scoring. That comes in at fifth for me. Um, Skamaka's second for Genoa comes in at fourth. Uh, so where you have the honorable mention, they made my top five. Okay. Um, Graziano Pele uh, coming in at third with the overhead kick, but the two free kicks uh, go two and one. Uh, Pulgar goes in at number two, and then I'm giving Greece Mertens the goal of the week, just the importance of the goal uh, to win a big game, to win a big derby. Uh, it just you know, for that reason, was Pulgar's probably a little more sensational? Yes, but I'm gonna just go with uh, importance here. Nothing wrong uh, with that. Edging out here and uh, having Greece Mertens' free kick as my goal of the week. Okay, very good, very good. So, okay, so uh, moving on, Richard, we have uh, Atsuri. 
now uh, to talk about. Uh, and uh, on Thursday is when they will uh, have their first game against uh, Northern Ireland. Here is uh, Mancini's called up Azzurri. Uh, the goalkeepers, Alessio Cranio of Cagliari, Gianluigi Donnarumma of Milan, Alex Merritt of Napoli, and Salvatore Sirigu of Torino. Um I mean, no big surprises there with the goalkeepers, is there? No, no, no. No. All right, so we can move on. Uh, <laughs> defenders. Um, Acerbi of Lazio. Uh, Alessandro Bastoni of Inter. And, yes, the Inter players uh, have been allowed to go uh, and report for national team duty. So uh, so that's good news. Cristiano Biraghi of Fiorentino. Leonardo Benucci and Giorgio Chiellini of Juventus. Giovanni Di Lorenzo of Napoli. Emerson of Chelsea. Gianmarco Ferrari of uh, Sassuolo, right? Yeah, Sassuolo. Yeah. Um, Alessandro Florenzi of PSG. Uh, Manuel Azzari of Lazio. Gianluca Mancini of Roma. Uh, Leonardo Spinazzola of Roma. And Rafael Toiloi of Atalanta. Um, solid, solid group of defenders. I don't think we're missing anybody there, are we? No, and, uh, you know, one. there was a question that came out of this uh, from VJ. He says, uh, who, in your opinion, is Italy's best center-back pairing right now? Uh, and his second question off of that is, who's Italy's captain after Bonucci retires? Uh, Donnarumma, Barella, Jorginho, Verratti, or, who, or someone else? So, you know, for the, the defensive pairing at the moment, uh, for center-back, you know, Bastoni's name has to be in the mix, right? He, he's certainly the way he's been playing. Yeah. Um, because I mean, you would you would kind of put like Di Lorenzo or or Lazzari or Florenzi more on the wing as, as opposed to depend. I mean, if they're going with the back four, then I wouldn't necessarily put them on the on those wing backs. I Man, you you could, I guess. But for me, center backs would probably be Bastoni and Mancini. I think if they're all all play at their best, I, I would either have Acerbi or Mancini more leaning towards Mancini and certainly Bastoni. Um, but what about you? Um, I would say Acerbi and Bastoni. Okay. So we agree um, on Bastoni. It's just a matter of who would be his partner. Yeah. Uh, I, right now, if I'm looking at form, if I'm looking, I, I like the combination of them when Mancini used them in the national team. You know, if Kiel, you know, if Chiellini, I think out of bureaucracy, which I hate to, uh, use, Chiellini will probably be in. But I, what do you get out of him right now besides just man-marking and getting into a street fight with the other team striker? Yeah, yeah. Um, at this stage of his career. Benucci's yeah. an excellent passer from that position, but he loses guys like crazy in crossing situations. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm on I'm on the bandwagon for Echervi and Bastoni. Okay, and I, I I would be fine with that. I think any any of the any of the three between Bastoni, Acerbi, and Mancini with Bastoni definitely starting, I think is the way to go for sure. Yeah. Um, and then captain, who would be your next captain? My in my opinion, well, I think you know ultimately Donnarumma should be the captain. I think you need a player who's going to be able to carry the team. I think a player who does that very well is Barella. I think the way he's carried Inter this season, and he's not the only one. There's obviously a lot of fantastic players at Inter, but Barella is so key. When he plays well, his team plays well. And we've seen that with the Azzurri. We've seen that with Inter. Um, he's so important for that team. I think having him as a captain would be a, a, a strong move uh, once you know Bonucci gives it up. Um, who do you think? you think it should be Donnarumma? You got anybody else in mind? I'd, I'd, I wouldn't mind it being Donnarumma, but I think you're going to find a, I think they're going to try to find a guy that's a little more senior. 
and has got yeah, more caps. So I agree. You know, I think for those reasons, Marco Verratti could probably end up getting it. I don't like the idea of him being a national team captain. Yeah. Um, but it could end up being. Much. Yeah, it could end up being his by default. So maybe Bernadeschi. <laughs> no, sorry. Please no. <laughs> Please. Though his, though him for the Azuri is better than him for Juventus, to be fair, but not that yep. good. Yep. So, um, <laughs> but that's where I would go. I, okay. I, you know, I mean, if it's. You know, one of these, you probably could make a case for Jorginho when he's fit, or even Lorenzo Insigne, I think, could mm, be another. That's a good shout. You know, could be another option. So, Sorry. but I think you're, I think you're going in the direction of a, you know, a, a, a more capped player. And at 22 years old, certainly Donnarumma has gotten a lot of caps. So, yeah. So, so uh, midfielders now, yeah. Yep, Nicolo Borrello of Inter, Gaetano Castrovilli of Fiorentina, Brian Cristante of Roma, Manuel Locatelli of of uh, Sassuolo, uh, mm-hmm. Rolando Mandragora of, damn it, where is he? He's on Torino now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini of Roma, Matteo Piscina of Atalanta, Matteo Ricci of Spezia. Good for him. Yeah, I actually absolutely. like his game. Uh, I yeah, think he's I solid. Um, Better than Stefano Sensi. Stefano Sensi of Inter, Roberto Soriano of Bologna, and then Marco Verratti good. of PSG. Oh, good. I'd like to see Soriano there. I'd like to see Ricci in there. I don't like to see Cresante in there. He's been mostly a center back this season. And though when he plays well, he's okay. I don't want to see him in that lineup. There's other players maybe you can bring in there that I can't think of at the moment. But um, um, I can't see him playing in any of these games. I don't. I can't either. I would love to see Ricci and, and, and Soriano play just, just because they got called up and see what they can do. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a strong midfield, I think, and you know we've talked about how Locatelli could give Verratti a run for his money in that starting eleven. Maybe he gets some opportunity in this one. I think he will, uh, especially with the season he's had. So it's a it's a good midfield, I think overall. Sure. sure. Uh, forwards: Andrea Bellotti of Torino, Domenico Berardi of Sassuolo, Federico Bernardeschi of Juventus for some reason, Francesco Caputo for Sassuolo, uh, Federico Chiesa of Juventus. Uh, uh, Stefan El Shraoui mm. of Roma, Vincenzo Grifo of Freiburg, uh, Ciro Immobile of Lazio, Lorenzo Insigne of Napoli, and then Moise Kian of PSG. There you go. Um, I know a lot of people are clamoring for. Well, one of the one of the big people who are left off is Politano. He's been playing very well for Napoli yeah. this season. Uh, he's definitely, certainly should be given a shout. Um, I know a lot of people, including yourself, it sounds like uh, Benadeski shouldn't be one that called up. I actually don't mind him playing for Azzurri because he's been playing decent compared to Chiesa, who's someone who's having a fantastic year for for Juventus. How is he going to line up with, with Mancini? I certainly want to see him play just to see if he's gotten any better with the Azzurri, with the formation that Mancini goes with, but he's not in the past someone who's been able to fit in as well as Benedeschi in, in, in the Azzurri. So that's why I don't mind Benedeschi playing. Um, El Sharawi hasn't done much enough for me this season to be inserted into the lineup, into the into the team, but I can see why he was called in there. But overall, it's it's a, it's a an okay lineup. Um, no lasagna was obvious for the poor season he's had. Um, Insigne is obviously, or Immobile is certainly, and Belotti always going to be uh, in the mix. Uh, and then Moise Keane, always glad to see him uh, on the team as well. So... Yeah, um, I, there's there's really nobody being left out here. Um, I'm, I'm not a Bernadeschi guy. I would rather see Politano, but I think that, you know, for whatever reason, Mancini likes him. So, um, and I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure I'm on board with El Shadawi being in this team. 
Um, I th- these are the guys where you, this is where a great chance where you can bring Gianluca Scamacca into the fold, and I, I mean, he might be playing with one of the younger teams though. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, some of these managers for the, when they become a national team, they have a guy, they have their guys that are. Most of the time, they pick their. They have these guys because they're performers. And they always perform big for them. This and doesn't those, really apply to Benedetti. And those guys usually get them sacked too. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Right? But I mean, like in the past, you know, like for like for Germany, for example, they've always called up Lukas Podolski and Miroslav yeah. Klose, who never really scored many goals in their leagues, but they always score for the, their national team. Right. Benedetti doesn't necessarily score goals for Yadzuri, but there's something that maybe he has compromising pictures of Mancini, or I mean, he does he does do better than he does for Juventus, but still. I, it's it's I can I'm okay with him being there, but it's still peculiar that he picks him despite his poor league form. Sure. All right. Um, now we uh, talk about uh, the opponents, uh, and on Thursday they will take on Northern Ireland. This is in Parma. Okay. Um, the uh, World Cup qualifying group is relatively straightforward in my opinion. Switzerland will be the direct rival for automatic qualification. Um, Northern Ireland, Bulgaria, and Lithuania round out the group. They will play Northern Ireland first um, at Parma, and then on the 28th in Sofia uh, at Bulgaria, and then uh, at in Vilnius on uh, March 31st at Lithuania. So those are the three games that they're going to be playing here in this round of World Cup qualifiers. Um, I expect nine points. I mean, as, as far as it pertains to... Uh, Northern Ireland, uh, a lot of experience up front, guys like Kyle Lafferty, Josh McGinnis, um, midfield Stephen Davis is 36 years. I mean, this is a very old uh, Northern Ireland team. Um, there's not a lot of flair. There's not a lot of, you know, ability to unlock. And I expect Northern Ireland, Richard, to come out and be very rigid against Italy. Italy's going to dominate this game from a possession standpoint. Northern Ireland on the counterattack. There's nobody here that's going to unlock Italy, um, yeah. in my opinion. I, I expect Italy to cruise and get a clean sheet out of this. I see 2-3-0 here. Okay. Um, I think you know this is certainly not Northern Ireland of a few years ago when they made their run in, in, in the Euros. and They had a decent team back then. They're very disciplined, organized, and they, they, they took advantage of the opportunities they had. Um, this is an aging squad of that team. So, yeah, it, they should be very rigid, as you mentioned. It's going to be almost having a parking the bus mentality against the Azzurri. I do expect a a, lo- a load of possession uh, going for the for the for Italy. But um, you know, it's, I think it could be difficult for them to break through. It depends if they get that first goal early. I think they can they can break the floodgates. But I think if you know Northern Ireland do a good job of holding for you know for a good portion of the of the game. I can see, I can see a one nothing, maybe a two nothing scoreline. Um, I think it'll be tough, tougher than it should be. I agree. I think nine points is something they should achieve for uh, of the of the three teams. I think Bulgaria will be the more difficult of the teams, but you can't count out a team that play that parks the bus. It's hard sometimes, and if you, your playmakers aren't up to snuff in the game, it'll make life difficult. So I think if Azuri can find a way to break through the Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland uh, traffic jam. There in the first half and find get an early goal. I think they can get that three two three nothing scoreline. But um, the longer the game is zero zero, the better it is for Northern Ireland. And then you know I always see maybe one maybe two goals in the game. So, mm. but a win hopefully hopefully a win. Yep, uh, and that'll be followed up by a trip to Bulgaria on Sunday. Um, <clears throat> you know, notable most notable player in this team is Andre Galabinov of Spezia. Um, 
obviously experienced striker, has had success scoring goals in Serie A, especially this season. Um, yeah. You know, when you look at them in the midfield, uh, you've got some workers, you've got some, you know, technicians, no standouts. Um, the the notable name that jumps out from defend, from the defender positions is uh, Cicinho, um, Brazilian-born player who uh, makes Bulgaria his national team, plays for Ludo Gretz, uh, so he's been in the Champions League, plays a fullback position, might give you some trouble coming forward. Um, so... These these trips to these Eastern European countries can always be difficult, um, and especially a Bulgaria team that might have a little bit of quality to give you some trouble. I, this is the one nil game that 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 that, that they'll do one nil, maybe two nil. Yeah, um, but they're not. You know, Italy Italy will get it that way and not be bothered by it. Yeah, I agree about the scoreline. I think this is a different different. Uh worry for them as opposed to Northern Ireland. You know, Bulgaria has you know, playmakers that can uh, cause you some headaches. Galabinov, as, as you mentioned, Cicinho, some other, and some others. Um, but, you know, I think the reason it'll be one nothing is not because, you know, Bulgaria is parking the bus. It's just because it'll be two teams who are really going to go for it and two teams that are probably the better of this grouping um, going at it head-to-head. So, yeah, one nothing scoreline, I think, is, is fair. Maybe even a 2 nothing shot if it, if it gets really open, if Bulgaria really tries to go down against Italy. So, yeah, we'll see. It should be a, hopefully a win, but it should be the, um, in terms of quality, the, the, the best game of the three that, that we have, will have here. Yep. Um, and then finally, the uh, trip to Lithuania, which will be March 31st. We'll probably mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit more the following uh, the following week. Um Arvidas Novakovic is their forward um, that probably will give everybody the most con- would, would would probably give the most concern if there's any concern at all with this Lithuania team. This is going to be the bottom team in this group. Yeah, um, you know, so if he he's a midfielder actually, he's not a striker, but uh, he, he's he's been around a little bit. He's kind of been a fixture in these Lithuanian teams, but I mean, there isn't a lot of quality to this team. They're going to be the bottom of this. They're going to be at the bottom. They're going to be looking up at all the other teams in this World Cup group. This is a a three nil win away for me. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree with that. I think it's going to be uh, non flat because I don't think they have the, the 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 discipline that Northern Ireland would have to kind of keep the scoreline down. I think uh, it's it'll be open open season basically for Italy, and, and they should be able to do what they want in that game. And maybe this is the game that you bring in some of the youngsters to get opportunity guys who don't have the, as many caps just to give them the opportunity to see what they can do. Maybe uh, Ricci or Soriano or, or uh, even Locatelli and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with 3 nothing scoreline. That's that's probably a good scoreline, maybe even 4. You never know. So we're expecting 9 points from the Azzurri here through their first three World Cup qualifiers here over the international break. Uh, uh, your thoughts on... Uh, the upcoming World Cup qualifiers for Italy at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. And now it is time for the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Um, we have uh, a very light workload tonight, Richard, I think, on the Who won Calcio Twitter. We like do. You said, we do. Like you said, everybody shot their load last week. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, and, and and how do you follow last week too, right? Well, the first nomination. I mean, they nominated you cooking. I mean, that's uh, that's something right there. Oh, we're, a little, we're a little further down than that, aren't we? No, that is. Yeah, that yeah, is number one. Yeah, yeah. On my birthday. I was uh, cooking a little pasta genovese for uh, for my family. Yeah, you were uh, nominated by by Art Morelli. Uh, how did that meal turn out? Oh, it's delicious. Are okay. you kidding me? I mean, it's getting better every time I make it. Okay. 
So, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't use it's, it's David Rocco's recipe. David Rocco actually has a show. The channel is called taste made. If you have YouTube TV, you have that channel. I don't know what other streaming services okay. have that channel, but, um, you know, and that's where I first learned about the dish. Um, and I'm calling out all of my Napoli friends. And it's like, why didn't you guys tell me about this? <laughs> you know, and I'm, I, you know, and I'm just learning about it. So I've, I've made it, I think in the last nearly two months, I've made it like three times and, uh, um, and, uh, it, I, it's, it's gotten better every time. So okay. All um, right. it's, uh, it, you, y- you spend a few bucks to get the groceries that you need to make it, but it's very worthwhile. So. All right. Right on. All right. Um, do you want to do the next one? Oh, yeah, I'll do the next one. Uh, Rafa is nominating at Brazilian Desk. <laughs> Ray Hudson. Hudson scores Ray Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's funny, actually. It's funny yeah. than I think I thought yeah. it was going to be. I'm, I can't believe that dog sat there for the toenail clipping. Uh, my dog uh, would never. My dog would bite me. Not that he yeah. would, but yeah, yeah, he would. My dog would not take that. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay, moving on. Uh, so this is nominated by Michael Lisi. This is Satunyon. Uh, so scientists, we can now turn stress into electricity. Me, a Milan fan, <laughs> glowing. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, very good. Very good. <laughs> Clever, clever, clever. Okay, yes. uh, at Zoe underscore Gex. I, I can't qualify that. That feels offensive. Yeah, no, that's no, no, thank you. So, sorry. No, thank sorry, you. Sorry, can't be offensive. We're not, uh, we're not, we're not going to uh, glorify that one. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that's what Isaid says. Uh, Parasnitch and Satrunyon, their brothers, and both guys are fantastic with their who on couch of Twitter. Says sitting in their bunker beds recycling each other to chokes with one hard difference. We'll never get old. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I do like that one. <laughs> Very well played. Okay, uh, so uh, I uh, tweeted about uh, Milan winning plus Juve losing equals grilled steaks for my family. And yes, even my nine year old Juventino son gets to have some steak tonight. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, at Gallia FC, <laughs> your son eating the steak and then remembering Juve lost. <laughs> Perfectly placed tweet. I've yes. Seen, or perfectly placed GIF. I've seen that one before too, plenty of times. Uh, but there was, there, if there's ever an appropriate time for it. So. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Moving on. Uh, the Raff and Rant. They nominated uh, this one. So uh, I guess it's your comment, right? So Ribery dancing. Ribery dancing. I should say after his goal, and it says, "You wrote what is it? What is this? His mating signal with the French prostitute." <laughs> <laughs> Rafa coming back and saying, I heard that's how he got his scar. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, that's gosh. kind of like a tag team uh, nominee, both uh, yeah. both Rafa and myself. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So the last-minute entry here. Um, uh, let's see. So this is a thread. It starts with Uncle Sharma. Andonio is spending too much time with Arduro over the international break. Uh, Nima saying, so you want at Interclub India to bring back the Frankenstein series <laughs> Inter- at Interclub India. Did someone call for Artun- Artunio Vinte? <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome if he wore that. He doesn't have the hair in the middle, I think, to do that, but yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well done. Well done. Scary. Oh, scary. it is scary. All right, so that's it for uh, this week's uh, episode. I'm going to go. Oh, man, there's. 
yeah, a as much good as, ones. As much as I like the the messy one where Ray Hudson's screaming, I think I have to give it to the the, the brothers Parasnitch and such and Yon sitting in their bunk beds. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'll go with uh, at that's what I said. Uh, Parasnitch and Saturnion uh, sitting in bunker beds and recycling each other's jokes with one hour difference. We'll never get old. They both won and... in the past, so there you go. Yep. Uh, you should tag them in that too. <laughs> all right. Congrats. Congrats to at that's what I said. You. One Calcio Twitter. Oh, very well done. Oh, very good, very good. For the shade thrown at. <laughs> at the brothers. Oh, poor brothers, poor brothers. Parasnitch. He <sighs> went back to Parasnitch. He's not Parasheek anymore. Okay, okay. So I guess that rumor wasn't true, so they changed it up. All right, so who won Calcio Twitter? This is our fun little hashtag game that we play uh, each and every week. And um, uh, please, uh, if you find something Calcio-related that is funny, please uh, put hashtag who won Calcio Twitter. Not uh, offensive. Yeah, so that we can talk about – we can talk about it on our next podcast. And, yes, please don't be offensive. We had one here that was offensive. We couldn't read it. So, yeah. Um, uh, so we are, uh, trying to keep it somewhat clean in good taste, having good, uh, good festive jabs at each other's fan bases and at the players and at the coaches and, and all those involved in Calcio. So, uh, with that, Richard, let's put a bow on this edition of City I sit down. Uh, yeah. anything, anything to shamelessly plug? Uh, well, Rafa was on our show last week, so let's just plug his, uh, not, not only the Far From Vesuvius, but also the Raff and Rent show as well, both uh, top-notch uh, entertainment there. And then, uh, yeah, uh, shout-out to the Calcio guys who are, I think, filming just before us as well. So, yeah, give a shout-out to them, and then uh, enjoy the international break. All right. Uh, you can find me at FTC underscore 21 uh, on Twitter. Uh, give me a follow there. Um, City, I sit down. We have our own pod. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. We can also be found on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. You can find City, I sit down uh, at City, I sit down on Twitter, Instagram, comments, questions, hashtag Who Won Calcio Twitter nominees. Uh, send it all to us uh, so that we can uh, thumb it over and have it ready for the next pod. Um, we're also on Facebook too. If you want to find us there. We're probably spending a lot more time on Twitter these days, so I know I am. Uh, so uh, that's probably we're going to be uh, be most visible and, and probably most likely to answer anything that you send us. So, um, and uh, I don't know if I'm uh, doing Alex's show this week, but check out Alex Dono, Man of the Match at Onside Radio. Uh, good enough to have me come on and talk a little culture with them uh, just about every other Friday on average. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that. Uh, If you are watching this on our YouTube channel for the first time, please subscribe and drop a like means a lot to us. And then you can also get notifications on when future podcasts are about to go on the air or any other videos or clips that we put out. So enjoy the uh, international break, everybody. Enjoy the national teams. We'll come back and do something next week, won't we? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, why not? We can talk to Zuri. We can uh, we can play. Ask us anything. We can we can we can figure something out. We'll figure something out. Yeah, why not? We got to get to two hundred. We're at one eighty six. This is episode one eighty six. The countdown to two hundred is on, folks. Yeah, let's see if we can get there before before the end of the season. We'll see. All right.
Well, for Richard, I'm Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.